0: Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com.
1: Hey buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast! It's July 25th, 2022, and that means there's only five months left until Christmas. Today on the show, it's our seventh anniversary listener feedback special. I'll be reading your messages, and we'll be talking about how to drink in a little more Christmas. We'll count down the top five tropical Christmas songs, learn about an obscure Christmas special, try and fail to find the origin of a piece of Christmas iconography, and much, much more. Plus, we'll see who you'd cast in a remake of The Grinch in the latest recastmas time. Okay, let's start the show. Christmas in July, you believers! Welcome to the 7th anniversary episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the show all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. Today is our annual listener feedback special, where we turn the show over to you, and you tell us what to talk about. But before I can celebrate you listeners, I have to issue a public and long-overdue apology to three, well, actually four listeners. You see... Long time listeners will know that every episode I encourage you to leave the show a review on iTunes or aka Apple Podcasts. As part of that encouragement, I let you know that if you do write a review and then you email me about it, I will send you a Can't Wait for Christmas podcast sticker. And in fact, many of you have done exactly that, and I have sent out many stickers, so much that I just had to reorder more. It's the least I can do to show my appreciation for your support. Or I thought it was the least I could do until I started compiling emails for today's show, and I found not one, not two, but three emails that had somehow fallen through the cracks. So I want to send a giant mea culpa to Dave and his daughter, Leona, Monica, and Andrew. I just ordered a batch of new stickers and I'll be sending you all one this week. Hopefully you're still listening, but I certainly wouldn't blame you if you're not. Especially Andrew. Poor guy sent his email back in May of 2021. If it's any consolation, Andrew, I am using your submission for today's Need a Little Christmas Now segment. Oh, yeah. Ignore his email for over a year and then use his idea for a segment on your podcast? That should even things up. Oh, quiet imaginary listener. Sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog. I feel bad enough already. Can you really feel bad enough, though? Uh, yes. I'm sorry. Slap of the Elf. Play the jingle.
0: We need a...
1: So, not only is it a shame I made Andrew wait so long for a sticker, I also wish I'd seen this suggestion sooner because it's great. Andrew wrote, One of the ways I need a little Christmas now is by having all my mugs be Christmas mugs. Currently, I own around 20, and every morning when I have a cup of coffee, it has a little extra cheer. Super great idea, Andrew. I'm not a coffee guy at all, but I do this too. My wife is a big coffee drinker, and so she's gotten coffee mugs as gifts of Christmas a lot. But what are we going to do? Box those mugs up 11 months of the year? No, they're perfectly good mugs, and they continue to hold coffee even in the spring and the summer. So when I pour my wife a cup of coffee in the morning, I grab one of our many Christmas mugs. I also use them for myself, from anything from hot cocoa to just water. There's no rule that says you have to drink coffee out of a mug. I looked it up. So thank you for that tip, Andrew, and sorry again to you, Monica, Dave, and Leona. Hopefully that's it, and those are the only people I missed. But if not, and someone else is still out there waiting for a sticker, and I missed your email, please reach out again, and I will get you one as soon as possible. Okay, on to the next segment, Five Golden Things. Five Golden Things. This list comes from listener Bob, who's nice enough to write in quite often, often sharing cool visual Christmas treats for me. But this time, he sent in a list that we can listen to. Bob says... I know I shared this with you before, but I think it's perfect for a July show. Five Golden Things should be the best tropical Christmas songs. Thanks, Bob. Now, I admit I was skeptical at first because a few years back, I already did a Five Golden Things for warm weather Christmas songs, so I thought the list would overlap a lot. But not only does Bob's list of tropical songs not have a single song from my warm weather songs list, I hadn't heard a single one of these songs before, so they were all glorious new discoveries for me. Maybe you'll find a new favorite in here, too. So let's kick it off with... Number five Mele Maka The Beach Boys
0: Go to Maka is Merry Christmas in Hawaii, Tata Then we will count the shooting stars And it will be just you and me
1: Bob says, the Beach Boys radiate sunny weather and good vibrations, and this is about celebrating Christmas in the islands. So I assumed this would be a cover of the song Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters made famous back in the day, but nope, it's a whole other unique thing. And I wish I'd listened to it before I did my trip report earlier this year about my Christmas trip to Aulani, because it is perfect. Number four. Little drummer boy, Jeffrey Cordell. Bob says, How do you make Little Drummer Boy better? Add steel drums, rapping, and a Caribbean feel. Now, I have to admit, I did not have high hopes for this. I like Little Drummer Boy as the slow, emotional ballad that it usually is. But within a few seconds of hearing this Caribbean version, I was totally feeling it. It's the same song, but it hits totally different this way, and I am here for it. Number three put one foot in front of another, Ether Park. Put, put Bob says, a personal fave and a year-round listen. You take a great Rankin-Bass tune and give it a surfing vibe. Now, if you had said to me, Tim, what would make the song put one foot in front of another better? I would have gone through a million guesses and never come up with do it as a 60s surf song, but it works. It totally works. And like Bob says, you could totally listen to this year-round. It doesn't have a particular Christmas vibe, but you know it is a Christmas song, so everybody wins.
2: Number two.
1: I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, Lake Street Drive.
2: I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, only a hippopotamus will do. No crocodiles, no rhinoceroses. I only like hippopotamuses, and hippopotamuses like me too.
1: Bob says, I never thought there would be any version of this song I could tolerate, but Lake Street Drive found a way to make it not only listenable, but thoroughly enjoyable took the words right out of my mouth, Bob. I never really cared for I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Like, I don't dislike it. It just wasn't my jam. But this version, as the kids say, slaps. I'm totes vibing with this version. No cap. Please stop. Sorry. But I was genuinely surprised at how much I like this version. In fact, if I was arranging these songs in order myself instead of using Bob's order, this would definitely be my number one. But before we get to the song that Bob picked for number one, we have to read some...
0: Honorable
1: Feliz Navidad, Dancer and Prancer and Frosty the Snowman, Man or Astro Man Bob says, both are instrumentals but they are awesome interpretations of classic songs Gotta agree Bob, apparently surf Christmas music is a whole genre of Christmas music I've been missing out on, which is a shame because it turns out I am totally into it. Number one. Aloha Christmas, the Dukes of Surf. We
2: wish you an aloha Christmas
1: all around the world. Surfboards for the boys and loves skirts for year Bob says, This is the perfect summertime Christmas in July anthem. Plus, it's goofy and it'll make you smile. This is indeed a goofy tune and it did make me smile, but I don't know that it grabbed me as much as Lake Street Dive's song from earlier. But it's still a fun song with a great vibe and I'm glad it's here on the list. And that's the list. Thank you, Bob. Now, at the end of every Five Golden Things segment, I always ask you, the listener, to let me know if there's anything I missed, but this time I really want you to let me know if there's more examples of tropical Christmas songs. This is apparently my new favorite genre of Christmas music, and I'd love to hear more. If you know any more good ones, shoot them to me at Christmas at tancast.com. And now a message from one of the other podcasts in the Christmas Podcast
0: Network. Hello, this is Art from A Cozy Christmas Podcast. We're the podcast that explores the coziest stories and memories of Christmas. Join me as I invite you to listen in as I read some of the classic stories of Christmas. Stories like The Gift of the Magi or A Christmas Carol, among many others you may not have heard of before. Sometimes I'll have a guest on and we'll talk about Christmas and the stories that matter to them, like the stories of their favorite Christmas memories and traditions, Sometimes I'm joined by my favorite co-host, my daughter Grace, and we'll talk about and try different Christmas foods, play games, or chat about our favorite Christmas movies and traditions, and also teddy bears. So come on in, make yourself at home, and enjoy all the cozy Christmas stories and more heard here at the Cozy Christmas Podcast. You can find out more at www.cozychristmaspodcast.com.
1: Welcome back. So normally at this point in the show, I'd launch into a deep dive on one particular topic. But since this is the listener feedback special, and between Recastmas time this year and season's musings last year, we haven't done a proper Santa Babs mailbag segment in a while. I thought we could take some time now and answer multiple emails. Santa Bab he is gonna read some emails from you or tweets. Or Facebook messages to Santa Bab. He is opening up his mailbag tonight. Let's start with this one from Isaac. Dear Tim, it's Isaac, and I'm a relatively new listener, so I haven't listened to all your podcast episodes, and I was wondering, who does the weird voices? I love the voices, and I wanted to know if it's just you or if you get help from a friend or a voice changer. Merry Christmas, Tim. So, Isaac, I have to say, this question is quite a compliment. So if you're new to the show like Isaac, you might also not know that there are a few imaginary listeners that hang out here in the Christmas cave. You've already met one of them, the imaginary listener, who sounds kind of like Kermit that we heard earlier. I hope you still feel bad about mishandling those emails. I do. You should. But in addition to him, we also have the imaginary listener who sounds kind of like George Bailey. Merry Christmas in July, Christmas cave! There he is. Then the imaginary listener who sounds kind of like Mickey Mouse, but for copyright and trademark reasons, he is definitely not Mickey Mouse. Huh? For legal purposes, I'm a parody! I certainly hope that's true. Then there's the imaginary listener with asthma who sounds suspiciously like Darth Vader. Please remember to wear a mask. People like me who have asthma are at much higher risk of complications during this pandemic. (gasps) Really think people are going to take your advice? You don't know the power of an organically placed PSA. Well, I certainly hope you're right. Then there's a bunch more that we don't hear from as often. The prospector guy. Russian guy. Hello! And former California governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's turbo time! But to answer your question, Isaac, these are all me. Sometimes during a segment, I need another person to bounce things off of, and in order to make it sound different, I just change my voice a little bit. I'm not great impressions, as you can tell, but I I do my best. The the only one I do anything to in post, as they say, is the asthma guy, because I have a high-pitched speaking voice, and I wanted him to have a low voice. What are you talking about? This is my natural speaking voice. Sure it is. Well, thank you, Isaac. Let's take a look at our next letter. It's from Paul, who put a lot of big words in this email, so I'm sure we'll get some good stuff for the outtakes at the end. He says, I've got an epithetical question for you. Over the years, I've noticed an example of this phonological phenomenon during the end credits of the podcast, and I'm wondering if you could shed some light on it. A apenthesis is the addition of one or more sounds to a word, either at the beginning or the end, such that the pronunciation of that word suggests a letter that is not actually there. For example, some folks pronounce drawing as drawing, adding an R in the middle, or hamster is pronounced hampster, adding a P. I've noticed that no matter who is reading your end credits, the phrase, the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki, sounds like this. The a wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki, or the a wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. Have you ever noticed this extra sound in there? Is it a regional thing? I live in New England where Worcestershire is pronounced Wooster and Car is pronounced Ka, so I know all about regional dialects. Thanks for the monthly dose of Christmas cheer, Paul from Maine. P.S. You mentioned in your last episode that you were in Minneapolis. Did you see any sights? I used to live there and adore that city. So starting with the PS, I didn't spend much time in Minneapolis proper, that was just where I flew in and out of, but I had a lot of fun boating on a lake while I was in Minnesota, and in fact I posted a video of it on the Can't Wait for Christmas TikTok. We also went to a street fair where I had a pork chop on a stick, which was something I'd never heard of before, but it was amazing. Now, on to the closing announcements. I honestly don't hear the extra sound that you're hearing. Let me replay that part of the announcement now. Here's the one from our first few seasons. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki.
2: And here's the current closing announcements, courtesy of my lovely mother. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. I don't actually hear the ah uh, in between
1: the and wonderful. I don't know if anybody else does. If it's a regional thing, it must be the whole West Coast, because while I've lived in California my entire life, my mom was born and raised in Washington state. So I don't know. When I first read your email, I assumed it was because we started to say Kristen was amazing before saying she was wonderful, because you can never have too many positive adjectives about Kristen. Next up, a letter from Brighton. Dear Tim, first, thank you very much for your podcast. I came to it from nostalgia, have been listening since your second season, and regard it as one of the best examples for how to do it right. I've always liked Christmas, but I'm sure I would not be as into it as I am today without your podcast teaching me that it was okay. I very much appreciate the hours of free entertainment you've provided me, with apparently no other goal that you enjoy it and someone else might too. I write you today because I always try to keep an eye out for Christmas-related information that might otherwise go unnoticed. I followed the News from Me blog by Mark Evanier and found these articles regarding when he wrote and voice directed the Christmas special Decked the Halls with Wacky Walls. I, and neither would he, I think, do not regard it as a classic, but as a little piece of Christmas special history. When we watch it and the other specials of its ilk, we often wonder, what were they thinking? These articles don't answer that, but they do give a little feel for what it was like being in the room where it happened. And as I started my letter with, I think the information could easily get lost in the ocean of the internet. Better to share it with someone in the Christmas community in the hopes they'll store it and perhaps find a use for it someday. If you do, don't forget to cite where you got it, Mark Evanier, not me, from following his blog. I'm certain he does not mind his blog material being used, but he very much minds not getting credited for it. So he provides some links there, and of course, thank you, Brighton. This did seem like a good idea for a deep dive in a future episode, but I thought it was worth sharing now so people can go check out the blog for themselves. I've put the links that you provided in the show notes. It's certainly an interesting story, even though I've never heard of this special before. And now, let's hear from Wes. Merry Christmas in July, Tim. I'm hoping you can cover something in a future episode that has been a fascination of mine for the past few years, the red truck. You know the one, 1950s or 60s pickup truck that has become a ubiquitous image in Christmas merchandise? You can't enter a store around the season without seeing it plastered on festive pillows and coffee mugs or brought to life in scale sizes as ornaments or table centerpieces. It's often depicted with a Christmas tree in the truck or with Santa at the wheel. But where did it come from? I don't recall this imagery growing up. I feel like this is a new phenomenon, but I don't understand how it went from non-existence to unavoidably persistent in a few years' time, at least in my perception anyway. Any chance you can dig up some history for us on the red Christmas pickup truck? I certainly understand the appeal, the combination of a car from a bygone era, complete with the nostalgic tradition of bundling up as a family and braving the cold and snow to find the perfect tree. Thanks for the podcast, Wes. Hey, Wes, this is a great idea. In fact, it came up exactly two years ago when we did our fifth anniversary special. And let me tell you, I've been digging around for the origin of the red truck imagery ever since, and I have found nothing. I can't find anyone who seems to know where it got its start. Literally, the closest I've come is blogs of other people saying they've looked for the origin and can't find it either. So I put this out to the universe. If you have information on how and where the red truck with the Christmas tree got its start... Call in to the Can't Wait for Christmas Backstory Hotline at 1-800-THIS-NUMBER-DOESN'T-EXIST, so just email us at tancast.com. Now let's hear from Jeffrey, who wrote in a while ago after our episode where I did a five golden things about my top five acapella Christmas songs. Jeffrey says, You asked about favorite acapella music. Someone, you, once asked about the first song album you played once it was the official Christmas season. Well, let me combine them. You recently discovered Straight No Chaser... I discovered them over a decade ago and now I have all of their albums which includes 5 Christmas albums. I also have all the Pentatonix's albums but I actually favor Straight No Chaser. Once it's officially Christmas time, day after Thanksgiving, my first official Christmas song is Straight No Chasers Christmas Can Can from their second Christmas album, Christmas Cheers. It's hilarious and has a great animated video to go with it. Not all of their songs are funny, but I think you should check them out. Thanks again for all your work. Thank you, Jeffrey, who longtime listeners will remember as the voice of the villain in our made-for-podcast Christmas movie, A Bomb for Christmas. A great Christmas in July listen if you're looking for something to do to cap off your Christmas in July this year. And... Christmas Can-Can is another great song by Straight No Chaser.
0: It's time to do the Christmas Can-Can. If you can't, can't dance, well, that's okay. I'm not going to do the kick line. All
1: you need is a tree, some lights, about a thousand presents, wrapped up and pray for snow. Run to your closet, find your Christmas sweater, screaming carols all the way. Christmas Day. But I hadn't seen the animated video until you mentioned it. I'll put a link in the show notes. I highly recommend giving it a watch and a listen. An excellent choice to kick off the Christmas season, Jeffrey. Thank you again. Now for our final letter, we'll turn to Monica who says, Hey Tim, happy 7th anniversary to Can't Wait for Christmas. I'm happy to say I've been listening every month for the past two years. For the listener feedback, aside from saying what an amazing job you've been doing, I'd love a section where you talk about timelines on how people prepare for Christmas. I love organizing things, and I've even already bought my brother his Christmas gift. Lol. But yeah, something along the lines of August, start Christmas shopping list and budget, September, start Christmas meal prep ideas, etc. Monica great idea monica but i think the best research i can do for this sort of thing is to turn the listeners loose amazingly enough people from all over the world listen to this show i know i can't believe it either but i imagine there are a lot of different timelines for celebrating christmas i think it'd be great to compare and contrast when do you start planning when do you start shopping decorating tell us about your christmas prep and email it to us at christmas at tancast.com so we can compare and contrast what we all do to lead up to our favorite holiday and that's all the letters for today. But if I haven't read yours yet, don't worry. Yeah, he'll get to it in a year or two. All right, enough for the guilt trips. What I'm saying is, some of you sent in some stuff that I'm going to work into future episodes, so stay tuned for that. But right now, stay tuned for our next segment, Recastmas Time. We're simply having a wacky Recastmas time. Here, I'm asking you to recast the movies and specials we know and love every Christmas to see if we can make something new, exciting, or at the very least, interesting. Last time, I had you recast Miss the 2000 live action Christmas comedy, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Jim Carrey was great as the Grinch, but if you had to replace him, who would you choose? Let's start with some of the answers we got on TikTok. Bryce suggested Willem Dafoe take on the role of the Grinch. And while it's certainly different, I could totally see it. The whole town of Whoville is scared to death of the Grinch. And while Jim Carrey is hilarious, he's not particularly frightening. But after seeing Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man No Way Home, I could definitely believe his Grinch would scare the Who hash out of those Whos. Staying on TikTok, Matt said that Chris Pratt should play the Grinch. And I said, why not? They cast that dude as pretty much everything, from a Lego to Star-Lord to Super Mario. Why not throw in the Grinch? Moving to emails now here's one we got from John who says my wife and I love the Jim Carrey version of how the Grinch stole Christmas we quote it all year long I love the original too I like to think of them as totally separate works of art comparison is the thief of joy true. Sorry about making you Ellis in last month's Recastmas. To make it up to you, I will have you playing the title role of the Grinch. A young Mara Wilson from Matilda as Cindy Lou, Chris Sarandon from The Princess Bride as The Terrible Mayor, Don Knotts from The Andy Griffith Show as Lou, and Mrs. Babb can play Martha May. She does have acting experience. And adult Shirley Temple can play Betty Lou. Well, thank you, John, and no need to apologize for making me Ellis in the Die Hard Recastmas. It's all good here in A Christmas Cave. Though I doubt I could carry that movie— I know I'd just be doing a Jim Carrey impression the entire time, but thanks for the confidence. And props to casting an adult Shirley Temple. That lady deserves some post-childhood respect. Lastly, we've got a recast miss from Monica who says, It would be amazing to see Willem Dafoe as the Grinch and have Christine Baranski reprise her role as Martha May. Steve Carell would play the mayor. A young Drew Barrymore as Cindy Lou would also be fun. Wait a minute, Monica. Did you copy off of Bryce's homework? Just kidding, of course. But Corell as the mayor is a great choice, as is little Drew Barrymore. But I really like the idea of Christine Baranski playing Martha May again. Like when they did the live-action Lion King and they were like, "Who we going to get to play Mufasa? We get James Earl Jones. He played it in the other version of the Lion King. And good point. It's the same thing with Martha May. There can only be one Martha May and it's Christine Baranski. I like that idea. So thank you so much to all the Recastmas directors who wrote in with your choices. Now it's time to pick the next movie to Recastmas and I think this time we should go with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the old Rankin-Bass stop motion special. You know if they redid it they wouldn't just use voice actors who have made it their life's pursuit to craft an amazing performance with just their voice. No. They just cast a bunch of celebrities. So who would you Recastmas in the various roles? Rudolph of course but also Hermie the Elf Yukon Cornelius Santa and the Misfit Toys. You can Recast as many or as few as you want. Remember, you can use actors from any time period, actors at any point in their career. You can keep them consistent, like you're casting a certain year, or pick actors or actresses anywhere from their time stream and put them in just how you like. Just like the folks you heard today, you can send your choices in by email, Christmas at Tancast.com, Facebook, Can't Wait for Christmas Pod, or Instagram, Can't Wait for Christmas Pod, TikTok, Can't Wait for Christmas Pod, or Twitter, where we're just Christmas Pod. Let us know who you would put in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer so we can all have a wacky Re-Castmas time.
2: We're simply having a wacky
1: re time. And that's our show. Thank you all for being with me for some or all of the seven-year journey. I don't know that I saw the show lasting this long, but the response has been so incredible. I don't feel worthy of some of the notes and letters we get about how the show has helped folks through hard times or made them feel less alone for loving Christmas all year. But I listen to many podcasts myself, and there are a few shows that make me so happy that they exist, and I get to listen to them, which makes it even more humbling that this show might be that for someone else. I don't know what to say. I feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes, but I'm glad so many people who can benefit from the show have found it. And that's due to people sharing the show with friends and family saying, listen to this crazy guy talk about Christmas all year. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next month with another milestone, our 100th episode. So I hope you'll join us again August And until then, you believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983.
2: Actually, Dad, it's 2022. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes, and email us about it at Christmas at tancast.com. We'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't wait for Christmas pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas pod.
1: On to the next segment, five golden things. (laughs) I wrote five golden rings in the notes. Amateur. It's been at it seven years. You don't even know what your segments are called, Tim. Come on, get it together. I know I shared this with you before, but I think it's a perfect for a July show. Nope. I know I shared this for you. Nope. I know you know how to read. Nope, I don't. I don't. I just imagine what words might be and take a guess. I've got an empathetical, in the first sentence, in the first sentence, Paul, you knew what you were doing. You had a thesaurus. You knew there was a word to be like, talking word questions or something. Over the years, I've noticed an example of this phonological phenomenon. Really? Phonological, phonological phenomenon? Really? Really? Paul, what are you doing to me over here? You know, you know my lips barely work. Come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I follow the newsfromme.com blog and Mark Evanier, 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 Evanier and evenier sound similar to my pronunciation ear. And I try and say them right. And I most certainly mess it up. Yeah. Now our final letter will return to Monica, who says, Hey, Tim, happy seventh anniversary. Return to Monica. We'll turn to Monica reading works only if you can and sometimes i can't and other times i record this podcast wait sometimes i can't i can't even make this joke you know what tim just get to it bryce suggested willem defoe's take oh no bryce suggested willem defoe take on the (laughs) girl bryce suggested tim learn how to talk and i said no thanks and casting adult Shirley Temple. That lady deserves some more adult love. Whoa, that is not a phrase I'm going to say. Post-childhood respect. That was how I wrote it and that's a that's a much better way to say that. Oh boy. Never mind. Kids who are wondering why I shouldn't say it that way. <clears throat>